We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you. What is it? It's Friday, December 1st. Uh, the Wolves win on Thursday night against the Utah Jazz. They're now 14-4, and which is 18 games in the season, 20% of the season about. But through November, I got Kyle Taggy here with me. We're calling this like a 20% mark of the season or two months into the season sort of check in on what this has been and and how yeah how this season has just sort of played out thus far Kyle how are you and help me explain what we're doing today <laughs> well good morning uh no I just you've basically front loaded like any smart worker would do right you front loaded your your work week this week with a lot of talented people who wrote a lot of cool articles uh Chris and Jace and Britt and then Friday, you have me on, and yesterday I talked about the Wolves' upcoming schedule being like getting hit by a car. So if you're interested in that analogy, go listen to Flagrant Howls. But no, they're basically at the 20% mark, so we couldn't do like a first quarter thing yet because they still have a couple more games to hit that. But I was just thinking last night, as they beat the Jazz, as they beat the Thunder this week, they're 14-4, and they're first place in the West. John Krasinski had quite possibly the greatest stat tweet ever where in the history of the Wolves prior to this season, they had been alone in first place in the West for 10 total days. This season, they've been alone in the Western Conference at first place for 10 days. Uh, they're 14-4 and four. in 2009-2010. They won 15 games total. <laughs> they're one game away from that mark, and it's December 1st. But no, I was just thinking of like, remember when were you a video game guy growing up? I mean, we all were to an extent, but did you play a lot yeah. of video games? You know, I, I wasn't allowed to have like GoldenEye and stuff like okay. that. You know, okay. my mom, wow, it did is, the blood that went like down a therapy the screen. Session. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Big, uh, I had Xbox. So it was like, remember before like Madden, there was like NFL fever and yeah, like yeah. Not yep. NBA 2K was NBA Inside Drive. Yeah. Huge on that stuff. So the what I was thinking for this pod and just this moment, because it's a Friday, it's the start of a new month, some of you are celebrating payday, is that I'm aging myself a little bit, but I know the gaming systems now are incredible and they're all connected online and stuff. But back in my day, like when you were trying to beat a game or you had a friend sleepover or something, after you got to like a certain level, 
you had to like catch your breath and make pizza rolls. Like you would pause the game because we didn't have memory cards yet and all that stuff. So today's pod in my idea was like, let's just pause the game for a second. Talk about how far this team has come through these first 18 games, 20% of the season. What have we liked? What have, you know, what are some issues? Cause there are some issues, right? With this team that they're not floating by, they're playing the league's best defense, but there are some, again, drink when you hear this phrase this season, but there's some meat on the bone and yeah, let's just as a collective celebrate the start of a new month where this team is at, review some things and also talk about kind of the next, I mean, this month, I thought November's schedule was kind of crazy. The December schedule is also pretty crazy, um, but it has a couple more kind of cakewalks on the schedule before it gets really tough. So that was my premise. Uh, I know on Fridays you're kind of burnt out like any other normal workers, so I can always make you talk about dumb stuff. So let's talk about some dumb stuff. Yeah, um, I'm I'm down. I, I think it's good to just, yeah, kind of reflect on, I, I mean, I have some numbers here just on like where they're at um, 20% into the season and kind of something's actually stood out to me like in comparison to where they were ranked in like rebounding last season versus this <laughs> season, and which kind of, I guess, shows you the places where there is meat on the bone. Um, or it shows you the places they've eaten the bone or like, and more. Um, but uh, but I, I think what we when we were texting, what we wanted to talk about is just kind of also some of uh, the vibe and yeah. and and that you can't really uh, quantify in in numbers specifically. It's a much more joyous and open and happy and jokey locker room after the game. And, and that's always the probably the best barometer of, of how a team is playing because it's just, it's just comfort and confidence. And, and that's, I mean, we've been talking about that all year kind of, but it's, it's elevating uh, game to game. And we'll play that Rudy clip later where he like not so subtly makes a hint at like playing in the finals while like half joking too. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious because you and I haven't done a pod in, I, I think, a couple of weeks now because we, we missed last week's uh, for, for Thanksgiving. Where are you at in terms of like how you're perceiving um, the vibe of the group? Well, in terms of my group in my household, I've never <laughs> been less productive. And I always thought that like when my favorite team got good, that my life would be easier because it would I wouldn't be crabby all the time. But it's way harder to do anything at work right now or anything in my life just because yeah everyone the vibes are great right every day it's like a it's like a purge or a cleansing of like the Timberwolves historical record books because every day now they do something that you know but I remember when the Wolves were really really bad that 2009-10 season when like Brian Cardinal was getting real minutes and like they would go beat a random team and like oh the Wolves haven't beaten this team since 1942 it's like now the Wolves are just kind of eliminating day by day some embarrassing stat that has always anchored them down. So, and then not only that, but it's like, I know they've beaten some really good teams, the Nuggets and the Celtics and the Warriors back to back. But the win against the Jazz last night, not only because of the Rudy Gobert stuff and the history with that trade and, and Walker Kessler, but also it was probably one of the first times, the Grizzlies as well, but that they played a really bad team that everyone knew was a bad team and it was a trap game. And that was probably what the, not the highlight. That was like the thing you remember from last year was mm -hmm. that this team always played down to their competition. So I don't want to say beating 
the Laurie Markkinen and Jordan Clarkson-less Jazz was the best win of the season. But in a way, it's like, compared to what they were doing last year, it kind of was. Like, they came in, they're down two starters. Again, I know the Jazz are down two starters as well, but they came in without really their engine in Anthony Edwards. They don't have their best defender in Jaden McDaniels, or second best defender, whatever you want to say. And they still took care of business. So if you want to know what the vibes are like, it's about as good as it can get. I'm not really worried about if this thing's going to crash and burn because we're all, as I said before, we're all going to die at some point. So it's just cool to watch this team not only win games, Dane, but also do it in a way that's like, again, defense is basketball porn for people like me. And they're doing it in a way that they can bring those tools to any arena on any night, no matter what the situation is, and they can win a game. And that is literally... Even with all due respect to Kevin Garnett, basically something they have never done in 35 years of being in existence. So it's really cool. It's really sustainable. You always are worried about an injury, but Mm -hmm. this is the best basketball team I've ever watched in Minnesota. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that last night uh, at at the Wolves Jazz game. And I was was thinking about how many times I've been sitting there and the Wolves have been the Jazz. Right. Where it's the like, yeah. no, no, seriously, where you like know. go into it and it's like, well, you're looking at the starting lineups and you're like, well, this is not fair. Like what is going to have to happen for the Wolves to catch this good team sleepy, you know, or like who is going to need to make seven threes to kind of rebalance the fact that we know that whoever is on the other team is for sure going to go for 30 and I was just kind of sitting there thinking and honestly that game was just kind of boring like the Wolves didn't play that well and then the second half they got up by like 15 and up or 12 or something and I, you know I was thinking about like a couple minutes in the third quarter up by 12 and I'm like in my head thinking this one's over you know but you don't yep. want to like quite like tweet that but like the the, the fear that that's going to be wrong uh, is just gone like way way down there. you're going to regret uh, tweeting that or saying that like the the next day um but it, it's just I, I don't know i was sitting there watching it and i'm like man i have watched this game many times uh but not where the timberwolves are the timberwolves in in this situation and so you'll get this because you're a big football guy too but that's how i really felt on sunday when they played the grizzlies is i literally and this is i would i would have beat myself up having said this a couple years ago i was bored I was like, you know what? Wolves playing the Grizzlies. They're up 18. I'm just going to flip back over to red zone. And that in and of itself is like the craziest way to describe the vibes is that I'm like, eh, you know, I'll, to, I'll go check in on the Wolves later. Because A, they're playing bad opponents, and I know they're going to beat them. And like you said, B, I think they're – I saw a stat last night. Maybe they lead the league in 20-point – like they the most 20-point leads in the league, like in terms of at any point in the game. And I'm not really concerned about them doing what they did last year. Again, they led the league last year and blowing double-digit leads and losing to really bad teams. The Jazz were a really bad team. The Grizzlies are a really bad team. And they just took care of business. And I don't know. I don't know what last year's themes were. I think it was depth. But this year, it's just either continuity with the fact that they ran it back or it's maturity. Uh, I do. I wanted to ask you at some point about Nas Reed has had like multiple quotes post-game in the locker room about no one being concerned anymore about contracts and just everyone being on the same page. That's kind of like PR talk until you realize that it's actually what's going on. And all these guys are all aligned and just wanting to win and make sacrifices. And yeah, it's just, 
it's just really cool. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm not worried about the ghosts of Timberwolves past. I'm just tuning in now being like, how are they going to embarrass their opponent? And last night they kind of did it again with defense. Uh, and it's also just really fun for the fans. I mean, you got to at least give me a little nugget because you're going every night to Target Center. You're, you're, uh, 15, 18, 20,000 people are losing their shit over defensive possessions. Hell. That's like not, you know what I mean? It's usually dunks or big threes or whatever. Like, think about the Warriors run. Like, people are losing their minds now when Rudy Gobert just has octopus arms and just de- defends all five players on the court. And it's really cool. And I'm really happy for everyone that gets to attend. And I'm happy for Jim. I'm happy for Grady. They've been awesome. Alan Horton. Like, everyone that everyone that's associated with this team right now, even the little mini inflatable mascot, is killing it. So, yeah, those are the vibes. The vibes are great. The vibes are great. Yeah, it's... I, I don't remember exactly what game this was a couple home games ago where there was, you know, it was one of those like great Rudy possessions where he like contested a shot and uh, or multiple shots. And they like pulls down the defensive rebound and it was like later in the game, but like the crowd literally Standing got ovation. up and started. <laughs> and I thought I missed something like, cause I'm, I'm like watching, I'm like watching the play. I, I thought maybe something else was like happening on the other side of the court because I've Timberwolves game or what I've never seen a standing ovation for a defensive rebound. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it was just Cam, was clip like, that clip that a standing ovation for a yeah. defensive rebound. That wasn't like, um, that wasn't petty, right? Like if you give up six yeah, offensive rebounds sure. in a row and then yeah. finally someone grabs and everyone's like, congratulations, you did there your job. There used to be a lot of like petty stuff. Yeah. In the, in, yeah. In, in the fans there, but yeah, no, it's, it's fun. And I think I think a really cool thing, I was just like talking to some of the Utah people last night too. Um, like the media people there and one, they're all like, Told you so. I'm like, okay, right, I get it. Um, but there's <laughs> there's like they were talking about how the fan base in Utah grew an appreciation for defense, which that that's like obvious. But to grow an appreciation for defense, you need to better understand defense. And I think Rudy Gobert is helping all of us better understand defense, which in turn making us smarter fans, analysts, whatever. And um, it's a it's a it's a cool skill set to kind of like actually build because none of us ever played basketball at a level high enough to do anything close to the technicalities involved to play precise and effective NBA defense in mm-hmm. particular right like you could and it, it's even for people who played like college or even like division one basketball you know um this is, this is a different thing it's a it's a different style of of play you're asked to be doing different things so it's, it's been cool to me to one for me to learn and then two to like kind of see other people learning and know that as illustrated by the standing ovation ovation uh that people really care about this um i'm just yeah it's it's been it's been just way more fun and just for me like makes it it makes it more uh more enjoyable and it's more kind of fun well, to go in the locker room afterwards too well let's call a spade a spade it's just way easier right like easier, i looked yeah. up i looked up this morning august 31st 2016 was the first blog post i ever wrote and it probably took me a week and it was about Brandon Rush being maybe the best 3 and D guy in the league. I think he probably played 40 <laughs> minutes that season. But it's like I was having to grasp it like, all right, what could the ninth man on this Timberwolves team make a three-pointer? Like that's what I was really excited about. And now it's just like, I don't know, like can, can Chris Finch 
win coach of the year and Rudy Gobert win defensive player of the year. Uh, I will say, though, because you talked about the Jazz, I think you're probably highlighting Jazz media members. Yeah. But yeah. this has been a big week because obviously Rudy Gobert had his best game probably in a Timberwolves uniform against the Thunder. I mean, he was dominant, and he had those couple really super viral kind of defensive possessions, if not the best, one of the best. And I started to see Jazz fans kind of flock into Wolves Twitter, and then obviously they play the Jazz last night. But Jazz fans, I mean, you know me, like I'm one of the pettiest people in your life, but Jazz fans are really great. Like they're just extremely happy, <laughs> I think, for Rudy and for Nikhil and Mike. Like I don't know what they're mixing in their sodas out there, but they just are happy to see a guy that they rooted for for so long kind of do it, not on a bigger stage because it's not like Minnesota's New York or L.A., but finally get some of the recognition again that he deserves because, I mean, in their eyes, he was he's the best defender of the last decade, right? Uh, and you can probably make a case for multiple guys in that, but it's just, it. I, I just, growing up, Dane, have watched so many levels of basketball and so much of it has skewed towards offense and yeah. just, you know, year after year of, tuning into a Warriors game and they might score 50 in a quarter. What we're watching now is so much different and it's pulling out new love for basketball for me that's like defense, playing good defense as a team, to me is just way cooler than playing good offense and last night again they played phenomenal defense 101-90 against the Jazz I think it's like what, the ninth or 10th time they've held an opponent under 100 which as you've highlighted isn't the be all end all yeah, when you start to factor whatever. in pace and stuff, but still pretty good <laughs> for for uh, nerds like me that just like to count to six. Uh, that's a pretty cool stat. So yeah, I think we. I mean, you were there again last night. You kind of commented on the on the feeling of what it's like going to Target Center every night. But I think we'd be remiss to not talk about that game a little bit because mm-hmm. obviously there was the Troy Brown Jr. game, and you and Britt hit on that. But I mean, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who I think you and I let are me both- uh, let okay. me let me grab a let me grab a great a break quick and then let, let's get into that and yeah like we said the game itself is, is for sure worth talking about Nikhil uh, but also the the locker room afterwards I want to let you know uh, about Falling Knife Brewing Company today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife and I just think like Saturday uh, it's a 4 p.m. local game in Charlotte that feels like a pretty ideal time to go to a brewery and watch a Minnesota Timberwolves game uh I know many of you have been there um, when we've done live shows or just over the past couple of years. It sounds like a lot of people have been going there um, every week for for these for these Wolves games. But I was just thinking, you know, a Saturday afternoon that what I think of when I go to breweries, it's a Saturday afternoon at, uh, day drinking at, at 4 p.m. You know, so, yeah, go uh, check that out. If you're looking for something to do uh, this this weekend, Wolves Hornets on Saturday at four falling knife um, has projector screens there and the sound on as i've been telling you about also they have rectangle pizza there on the the weekends as well i think that rectangle pizza will be there from 4 to 9 p.m on saturday so had that on my mind that that is an ideal time to to go to falling knife but also just throughout the week um i know a lot of people are listening to this to happy hour with friends and co-workers or whatever and you've been there you're kind of like well where should we go my suggestion and a way to support the podcast uh, would be to to check out Falling Knife in Northeast Minneapolis. So this Saturday, Falling Knife Brewing Company. All right, Kyle, let's uh, let's get into last night. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Nikhil? I think you have to. Yeah. And that was that was one of the cooler games I've ever watched. Obviously, there's a little history there, right? With 
him playing in, in Utah uh, previous to coming over here to Minnesota. But there was there was a moment again, and, and we talked about this before the break, of just there's this new expectation that they're not going to blow leads, and there's this new maturity not only with the team but with being a fan or being someone who covers the team. But you also, like a prize fighter, like they're not – like, yes, they're 12 and a whole – half point favorites last night but they're not going to be up 12 and a half after one right like it it got to feel out your opponent a little bit kind of get some vibes and i think it was like early in the second quarter I mean, they, like the, they play bad they were playing bad right it, it, thank you that i was don't a, think that was feeling it out i think they just were like we don't have that's a better way to put it i was gonna get uh, there and say yeah. they're playing bad but all of a sudden in the second quarter like all of your big people like you're without ant without Jaden, yeah. so you're very thin on the wing and carl picked up the two offensive fouls in the first quarter and you're like okay where is this offense going to come from and and Sorry to the, cut you off, it, but. no, and it's just that's probably the one thing we talked about in September, right? Was like if you wanted, if I say this is a perfect roster, I'm going to get crushed. But the <laughs> one thing that was really holding it back was they were a little short just in the backcourt. Like you yeah. didn't really know what Shake would do. You know, Jordan McLaughlin was coming off a really bad injury, so all of a sudden last night you're without two wings, and now Mike's injured or not injured, but in foul trouble, and there's no J Mac, and Shake has been literally shaky. And it's like what are they going to do? Yeah. And then Nikhil just kind of comes out of nowhere, right? I mean, his confidence, his three-point stroke will never look good, but everything he did, and then on top of all that, when they really needed a moment, I think it was like four minutes into the second quarter, and they're down maybe 11, Finch calls a timeout, and it just reminded me of when Ryan Saunders played the Luol Dang card way back in the (laughs) day. I always like to refer to that because it was like, we need a spark, let's just throw in the corpse of Luol Dang, and... Finch throws in, not the corpse, because he's younger, but the corpse of Deshaun Nix, and he comes in, and they go on a 15-0 run, and I don't think Deshaun even scored in that point, but they just put in another person to kind of, I mean, Deshaun Nix is not a floor general by any means, but they just needed some sort of person to get the ingredients to the right people to help Mm -hmm. them out, and a 15-0 run was probably the biggest run they've had all season, so... Yeah, the little, just the little coaching intricacies of, I mean, we didn't know Deshaun Nix was going to play, right? We didn't know who was going to be that next player up in the, in the rotation. Yeah, it's interesting but... that he was, right? Like, mm-hmm. me and Britt, yeah, it was Britt yesterday, we were talking about this, like, you know, and, and I, I posited Wendell Moore Jr., not out of any, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> but out of the idea that, like, okay, he's a guard, like, yeah. the other mm-hmm. options were, yeah, I, I understand the interest and in people wanting to see Josh Minot or Leonard Miller or, or <clears throat> whatever to, to be added into the rotation, but you're missing guard play just in general on this. It's it's a not deep guard play rotation. And then Ant and J-Mac are both out. So I was thinking, you know, it was going to be a guard. I wish I w- would have brought up uh, Dacian as a, as a possible option there. And I was just kind of thinking Wendell, cause he's kind of a guard, but uh, I, I think that was, I kind of got tipped off to that a little bit before the game that that might be the option. I'm like, yeah, of course it is. He's the only other point guard on this roster. And you're the only point guard you have playing in that game is Mike Conley because Ant is kind of like your other point guard there and, and he's out too. So um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that they went with him. I mean, uh, not a, not a great box score, but like you said, at least, um, at least they they won those minutes with with Knicks on the floor. And I'm just I find this stuff interesting, big picture for the Wolves because they got to hit on one of these random guys. 
over the, like the next couple of years, right? I think that's really important that the seventh man in two years is a kind of out of nowhere guy who's on a cheap contract, right? So I'm always kind of thinking about that. I'm like, well, you know, whether it is Josh Minot, Leonard Miller, somebody from the draft, Luca Garza, something like like it, they need that player. And while none of them are a high likelihood or certainty to be that, I like that they have a couple of different options and and Knicks might be one of them at one of the positions that they are most uh, depleted at. I also liked this answer from Finch on Knicks after the game. You mentioned before the game, you were going to add someone to the rotation yeah. with uh, Dacian. What, what went into that decision and what did you see from him tonight? It's like, I really like Dacian. Um, I like his game. He's got a really defined game. Can handle, he's smart, high IQ player. Can make shots. Um, he's got way more bounce and physicality than he might look uh, out there. Uh, competitive, you know. I was just had my eyes on him for a while in practice, and just, I just like the fact that he, you kind of know what you're going to get when you put him out there. So um, I thought he had some good looks. Thought, I thought he was a little tentative early. Um, had some good looks. I thought, you know, with his shooting ability. That, that um, they were going to go in, but he, fought, you know, he finally made a big one. He made a big one at the right time for us. So, I love when coaches talk about point guards and they do this thing with their hand. It's like the little dribble thing, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to, if you really want to know how the vibes of the team are, someone needs to do a deep dive on this. But when Finch's hair looks really good for the video audience, like the team is probably playing pretty well because there was a moment last year, especially right after Carl went out in the Washington game, that like Finch's hair was really bad. Uh, so when Finch's hair is good, I imagine the team is good. That has to be kind of linear. But, uh, yeah, I was just looking it up during that. They're down. Olenek hits a three, 850 mark of the second quarter. They go up 35-23. And that's when you started to be like, okay, mm-hmm. down 12. What's the answer? And then Deshaun was inserted in, I think, less than 30 seconds later. And they, 35-26, and they go on a run. And all of a sudden, you know, at the end of the half, they're only down two. So he didn't even make that many plays. I just think a stable... This team always needs still, right? Whether it be Mike mm-hmm. or Kyle. It's weird because those two are proven vets and then it's like Knicks. But they just need a floor general on the f- court to keep everyone in their That's normal right. role that they're they're comfortable with. Uh, and to swing it back to Nikhil, I think not making – because we talk about two, right, long-term, second apron, all that stuff. Like, is Nikhil the point guard of the future? I just never look at Nikhil as a true point guard. I just think Agreed. he's – I just think he's a – another Swiss army knife type guy that can do a bunch of different things. Not a Kogi, because I think Nikhil has more offensive skill and playmaking ability, but I think Nikhil's at his best when he doesn't have to think about running the offense. He can just think about causing chaos. Well, that's what I liked about his game last night was, you know, there's obviously more opportunity when you don't have Anthony Edwards or Jay McDaniels in that game. But I felt like Nikhil had a big game playing Nikhil's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like some takeover isolation. I'm the point guard, spread the floor, four low, like I'm just gonna take over here. Which and I don't I, I probably should at some point go back and watch like some of Nikhil Alexander Walker right when he got in the league. But as I understand it, it was it was more like that. Like he came in and he he played more like Shea, honestly. Like he was the like a young poor man's version of Shea Gilgis Alexander when he came in the league was like hoping to evolve into into that type of player. I actually like looked up in the middle of the game, like, oh, you know, what's Nikhil Alexander Walker's high career high in, in points? 
And it was 37. I'm like, what? Nikhil Alexander Walker scored 37 points in, in a summer game? league? <laughs> no, it was, it, it, you know, it was against the Clippers. Paul George, no. Kawhi oh, Leonard, yeah. Patrick Beverly, Nicholas Batum, and Serge Ibaka started that game against them. So I would imagine in that game, Nikhil Alexander Walker, when he had 37 and had a great game, maybe the quote unquote best of his career, um, just kind of like took over as like an alpha guard. Last night, that's not what Nikhil did. He just did what he does night to night and expanded it to like the bandwidth available. And man, if that isn't like the perfect role player, you know, yep. like that is exactly, you know, with a role player, you want them to do what the the role is. But if there's five, 10, 15 percent more usage available that they can just kind of like inflate a little bit, not mm -hmm. like shape shift. And, and I thought, uh, I just thought he did a great job of that. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how the hell did nobody throw more than four or five million bucks at this dude this offseason? When you saw him in the play-in, the, the end of the regular season was pretty decent too, like the last couple of weeks, in the play-in games and in the playoffs. Because I'm watching that game, I'm like, you can't tell me. You can't tell me there's a team in the league, a playoff team in the league, who wouldn't play Nikhil Alexander Walker in the rotation, like who, the best. Who's the best team in the league? Like the Celtics. Well, the, well, the Pistons. They won, would. But that's because they're dumb. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm glad you brought that up. There's just uh, we're, we're all right. We got. There's a lot going on behind me. But <laughs> no, I'm so glad you brought that up because I had in my notes when Nikhil's bad, it's it's pretty eye opening, right? Like when he misses a couple of shots, like the the, the form on his jumper is never going to be great. But if like Nikhil's game has warts. Sure. Facts. But if Nikhil's game didn't have warts, the Wolves couldn't have afforded him. So the mm. fact that like he has like some that. things that don't go perfect or don't aesthetically please you, that's why he was allowed to stay in Minnesota. Sure. So I mean his his three why, why don't you why don't you mute your microphone for a second and I'll play the Nikhil clip from last night. Easy now I focus on like how you were doing or in the middle of the game. So you're gonna get a longer run. I mean there you'll be out there. Reading thirty plus then. Uh, I mean, best way to put it is like you drive a car and you don't look at the rear view. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't drive only look at your rear view mirror. And once I heard that, it kind of like really like stuck with you because now you just focus on what's to come and it's a lot less pressure and you don't feel um, like you got to to make the perfect play to be perfect. But I think even if um, Ant was playing, I want to credit Minnesota, the organization, and, and Finch um, for giving the opportunities to play through mistakes. Uh, I've made plenty of mistakes this season, and they kept me out there. So now that confidence of just being in the present is uh, really resonating. One, I don't know why that was like a slowed down audio clip there. So I'm sorry for that. But I wanted to, one, I wanted to play that for you because. Nikhil Alexander-Walker starting an answer with an analogy feels like it really needs to happen in a Kyle Tige episode. Um, but, I mean, this this just echoes a lot of what we've heard, how we've got to know Nikhil. Like, he is just this calmed-down version, zen, whatever you want to say, um, that has just really embraced the idea of being a role player and locking one, accepting the idea that he's a role player, taking that role... And now he's at the point where he's a role player who doesn't need to look over his shoulder. Like he's got 
a spot in the rotation, 20 whatever minutes a night on lock, even when the even when the roster's at at full strength. And that is again good progression as a player, as an organization. Like you want to give your role players that opportunity and and you want the role player to be able to take it. So I just um I've just been noticing even over the past couple of weeks with Nikhil like starting to expand, doing a little bit more offensively, like looking for a shot a little bit more, but not to a chaotic standpoint. Like there's just been a couple more times where he's been decisive, getting to the basket. He's getting that mid-range a little bit, um, which is actually like gone in a lot. And they're, they're those open mid-range shots where like they're playing him in a drop and it's like, okay, just step into a 14-footer and take an open mid-range shot. Like he can make that. Um, I, I've just been very pleased of the progress at the progression of, of Nikhil Alexander Walker over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 games of last season. And now the first 18 uh, of this season, huge piece. I just watched an entire tree get chopped down in front of my window. So That's I want to ap- apologize to the listeners. Uh, I'm okay. My wife is okay, but a tree has been hurt and is now down on the, on the ground. Uh, no, back to Nikhil. You also know, it kind of goes back to like this Zen thing you talked about. Remember, like, that was one of my weird takeaways from Media Day was that he was maybe the best quote on Media Day just because he really talked about being reflective. He's 24, 25 years old. Like, he was talked like he'd been in the league for a dozen years. And just, again, to your point, I think he feels so comfortable in his role. He knows now Mm -hmm. that if Ant or Jaden is going to miss a game, he's probably that starter. Right. But you also know, too, just think about, non-basketball stuff like when you're when you're cooking in life in any realm when Nikhil starts throwing these behind the back passes and stuff that's when he's like the most comfortable he obviously had the highlight of the night last night with his kind of left hand behind the back pass to Carl in transition and I don't know if you picked up on this sitting at the game but there was also a couple other behind the back passes that he tried to throw that resulted in turnovers that on on the Finch hair meter made the hair terrible uh, and I think Finch was close to being like, I'm going to pull him, but I can't because the dude's having right. one of the best games of his career. So, no, just the Nikhil Alexander. Watching Finch after a Nikhil or Nas turnover is <laughs> just, it's just the disappointed dad. You know, this, the, I needed oh. Chris Finch to coach Magic Johnson back in the day because just the flair and substance. I mean, Finch just wants everyone to do their job and get to work and win the game. But, yeah, Nas and Nikhil are probably the two most flair guys on the team. Uh, and yeah. Coral, I guess, too. But uh, it does. If you see Nikhil next time throw a little, I don't know, one off the glass or behind the back, just try to tune your eyes over to Finchie and just see how he's responded. But, no, this, this summer, right, was all about paying Ant and paying Jaden and paying Nas. And this is, goes back to those quotes that Nas has in the locker room about no one being concerned anymore about their salary or their contract or their situation. They're just all showing up to work. And we kind of forget that Nikhil was one of those guys too, right? Like he didn't make nearly as much money as Ant or Jaden or Nas, but he got paid and more than importantly, he got solidified a role mm-hmm. and he just looks so confident. And to your point, there isn't a team in the league that wouldn't want Nikhil in their eight man, nine man rotation because he just makes winning plays. Yeah. He hit four of eight from three last night, but what five steals, just the plays that he was making, he really injected in the second quarter last night would have been the moment where Ant subs in and tries to lift everyone back up or down 12. Let's get the energy going. 
And that's kind of what Nikhil did. Nikhil came in and said, I'm just going to make plays. They kind of get the arena back, bring life into the building. And it was huge. It was huge. I mean, Deshaun Nix, again, all credit to him for just being a person that kept everyone calm and in their right spots. But it was the Nikhil Alexander-Walker game for sure, uh, even if he didn't, you know, I know Carl had 32 points. But Nah basically won them the game last night, and then their defense closed it out again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Kyle, I, I want to talk uh, a little bit about just, uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about the vibes a little bit, but just the, I thought it was a, a one, it's a funny interaction between kind of Rudy and, and Carl, but I think there's some something real to it too, where it's like one Rudy here is, I asked him a question about like spacing and running pick and rolls or whatever. And that's not really the, the point of it, but he gets into some stuff about spacing, which is, which is both real, but he also is kind of like gives a jab at Carl, which is he not, he wasn't doing that a year ago. Right. Like, and it was, it was playful. And I was even like, I tweeted this out. I tweeted out the quote last night, but it's like one of those where if you read the text of it, I'm like, Oh, I hope people don't like make this out to it being Rudy mad at Carl for anything. He was making fun. You know, he was just joking around uh, in, in the locker room uh, after the game, but like some of the substance behind what he's saying, is kind of real too. Um, so I just, I, I, I wanted to get to this, get to this clip and, and play it and talk about it a little bit. I'm hopeful that the sound works a little better here. The pinch was talking about pick and roll. How it's a little bit more, pretty more random um, in, in your guys' offense. So you had a couple with you and Carl, Pedro today, 
reflect, it seemed like it was much more structured, like set pick and rolls when you when you were in Utah there. Have you adjusted to, or how have you adjusted to? Yeah, it's, it's unpredictable, but at the same time, it's, it's, um, for us, the spacing is the most important thing. So whether I'm going to set a pick and roll, set a screen for cat or whether I'm cat's going to be posting up, I'm going to be sealing in the paint, you know, uh, for the, f- <laughs> for the, for the guys to be aware of what's happening, it's the key for us. And I thought, um, I thought we were getting better and better at that. Not where we want to be yet, but, uh, we're getting You're kind of looking at the rest of it. Yeah, I see what you got to see what's going on. Understand, uh, you know what's what's happening, and if I see that cat is posting up and he has a it has an advantage, like I'm not gonna go set a pick and roll. I'm gonna space down the floor or set a flare screen on uh, whoever hit him on the post. Uh, if I see that cat is is uh, on top of the key, I'm gonna probably yeah go set a probably gonna set ninety nine. And sometimes I try to. Get cat to get his ass in the corner. <laughs> uh, so, so I tell cat, I say, if I was, sh- if I was, if I could shoot like you, I would keep my ass in the corner. Because <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll score 150 points a game. <laughs> but, but that's, that's next level. We, we're saving that for, for the final. You know, we, in the finals, cat going to be in the corner, you know, stop it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because we, we talk, but he's got a lot better at spacing. And, um, I think there's another level. You know, understanding when I'm when we both on the floor that we he's shooting ability like just him spacing the floor, it makes it puts the defense in a tough situation and and um, they have to either give up the uh, me at the rim or give up catch shooting the corner three or Mike Conley shooting three or Anthony Edwards or Jaden or Nikia. So it's perfect stuff. You know, we we we're doing a lot better. We just so I. I was there for that and, and heard that and that that stood out to me a person and I'm just kind of thinking about it as walking home from the game last night. Um, I'm just curious of your thoughts on that, Kyle. Just, just kind of that seemed, whole interaction. He just seems so much healthier. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm never going to let that go. But no, I, it, it is cool. Also, too, when I'm watching that or listening to that clip playback, I just started thinking about what he said after the whole Draymond Green situation. Now, Rudy Gobert is just clearly, all jokes aside, way more comfortable in his role, just like Nikhil is, more comfortable in Minnesota, more comfortable with his teammates. He's really smart. I'm not, like, saying that as, like, I didn't think, but he just, he, I think that quote, right, of, like, putting Carl's ass in the corner is, I think, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but I think you have to be really smart sometimes to make jokes while also, like, having a message in there. And I think that's what I mean. Remember when he was like, yeah, Draymond doesn't like to play in games without Steph. And then like Tom Haberstro did a, a deep dive. I was like, that's actually true. And like now Rudy's like, you know, if I shot the way Carl did, I would put my ass in the corner. And sometimes I feel that same way. So I don't know if Rudy's ever going to be on like the Paul George, Pat Bev level of like just having his own podcast, go bear, go home. But he's a really smart dude. And when, when this team is playing well and he's giving quotes like that, it's a, uh, it's cool, and then also, too, just to factor in vibes, it just tells you, and I'm going to throw it back to you now because you're in there every other night, it just tells you that that locker room is about as cohesive and as gelled that they can make fun of each other <laughs> and yeah. not feel like it's going to result in someone getting punched on the court. Yeah, no, I think that's real. Like, I I mean, I don't know how many times we could say comfort or whatever, and it's the you – know, we, we did this – 
so much with the particularly once Mike Conley came right like the idea of it took him a year to get to know how to play mm. with Rudy you know and I, I think that's actually now for all of us watching this team like that's kind of intuitive it kind of makes sense like even if you're Mike Conley really understands the game like this is just a different Rudy's just a different creature out there on the floor like you haven't just like Ant you know, we talk about all the time, Ant never played with a rim diving center before. Well, like nobody in the NBA really has played with Rudy, a Rudy Gobert archetype of player because he's like kind of the only one who's like that for good and for bad. Um, so I, the basketball part's like intuitive to me, but there's, you know, and you don't want to overly play like armchair, like psychologist or anything, but there's just like the human element of maybe it takes a year to to get to know your star player as a person and to be able to trust them and to, to know them. And like Rudy is the defense. Like he runs, I mean, you, you said the, the Jaden thing before of like the best defender or maybe Rudy's the best defender. I mean, like Rudy's the best defender on the team. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not a, <clears throat> it's not a knock on Jaden. It's just an undeniable level of impact in the way in which, Rudy plays. He can maybe just be more impactful at the rim than he can be at the point of attack. That I think might Jayden be as simple as that. Can shut down a single player at any point, whereas I think Rudy can shut down an entire five man lineup. Right, right. I mean, we've, that's kind of, we've, we've seen it. Yeah. yeah, it's like he can mm-hmm. he can affect. And that's no again, that's no slight on Jaden to be like, hey man, you can shut down the best of the best, but mm-hmm. Rudy can really shut down an entire team's flow and offense. So he obviously again he looks so much more comfortable. It is. And again, right, this is all on the heels, Dane, of they're playing the Jazz. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And like Walker Kessler's out there, but not starting and, you know, blocking some shots. But I mean, Rudy even had that kind of drop step move against Kessler. And he just, I don't know, he just, he looks so, again, I think he looks healthy. You think he looks comfortable, tomato, tomato. He looks but both. He looks both. This, he looks both. Yeah. This, this is, this is what you traded for, right? Like, this is sure. what you gave up all those picks and players for. And, I, I talked about this, not to pivot quick, but I just I do want your 30 seconds on it. I was we talked about this on Flagrant Howls because the Wolves have like the Hornets coming up, right? LaMelo Ball not playing, but that's kind of LaMelo Ball's team. They have the Spurs coming up with Wemby. You, if you watch, like the Pistons didn't win a game in November despite having Cade Cunningham on the team. And I've said so many things that are wrong about this team and this trade. I mean, I threatened to stay living in Mexico last July, but... There is real, real value. As good as Walker Kessler could be down the road, like his ceiling would be what Rudy Gobert is doing right now in November of 2023. And putting veteran winning players around Ant and Jaden, again, I know they didn't play last night, but you look around the league at all these guys that are on the top of the list for the under 25 or whatever, and Ant and Jaden are some of the only guys that are in a real winning environment. And I wonder how much that'll be benefit and pay off down the road because mm-hmm. I always get concerned with these young guys being in really bad situations and how you start to develop bad habits. So that's just like a little thing I always think about now watching. That was one of the things I thought about with this trade is that, yeah, you're speeding up the development of your young guys, but if they're ready for that development and they're ready for that challenge, mm-hmm. you're kind of seeing it play out game in and game out now that the young guys are ready to try to compete for meaningful things right now, not just regular season wins, but they're putting together some sort of resume and some sort of formula that translates into April, May, and God forbid, as Rudy said, June. It's the single biggest thing I missed with the trade. Like, is that idea of putting Jaden 
and Ant and throw Nas in there into a winning environment in their early 20s. I mean, I said it a million times last season where I thought, you know, I thought adding Rudy would make them a significantly better team. I didn't understand the idea of putting, quote unquote, all your chips in the middle. I know you don't like when I say that, but putting a lot of chips in the middle um, for Cats Prime versus Ants Prime. Because, you know, at, at the time, Ants like 21 when they make the Gobert trade and I'm or may, no, he would have been 20 when they made that when they made the trade. And I'm like, I don't know. Does this now preclude probably does preclude the idea that you can make another four or five first round picks trade when Ant is 26, you know, um, and and I missed the the value of having Ant and Jaden in a winning environment early in their career. And it's, it's hard. To, I, I can't, there's no real argument uh, against it now, particularly when we're seeing what, what Anthony Edwards is doing. And maybe that was just me not thinking that at 22 years old, Ant could be a top 15 player in, in the NBA, which I think he is right now. Uh, but, but that's just, it, it, it's credit to, a vision of the organization that, you know, that I didn't see. And, you know, I'm not, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about what I see and, and what I think, but I am not as smart as these people. I'm going to miss things. Right. And there's context and there's so much, just like, there's so much context to Rudy, I think too, in, in understanding who he is as a, as a person, when we were just, were kind of talking about understanding, but I think understanding who he is as a player requires watching him every day and knowing him every day. And they did, you know, did Tim Conley gets hired. He hires Dell Demps, who has been with Rudy in Utah for the previous years. And that's somebody who knows Rudy Gobert every day. Dell was on the coaching staff uh, in Utah, not, not the front office there. And, and thus, well, one Dell's smarter than me, but two, like he, he just so, so much more intimately understood who Rudy is and how he plays and what works with him. And, uh, and I miss that. And it's a, it's a, it's a reminder to, to remember that we have, but a fragment of the, of the context there. Now that's not to say people mess up <laughs> all the time when they have all the context available. Right. And you make GMs make bad moves and stuff all the time. But, um, it's something they always have that we never do. And I, I just want to remember that. Last year, they promoted and pimped out so much. Uh, this idea of unlocking Rudy Gobert. Embrace yeah, that, yourself. See, that was is, bad. <laughs> embrace yourself because this is cheesy as hell. But I really do think, and this is the one aspect that I don't think it's talked about enough. And it's kind of my favorite thing. I think unlocking Rudy Gobert, the person, has been more beneficial than unlocking Rudy Gobert, the player. Because he, I mean, dude, last year at this time, he was, I don't know it sounds silly, but he was blocking everyone on Twitter. Now he has a group chat on Instagram that he sends emojis to every night after the win, like flexing and Timberwolves emojis. Like his comfortability as just a person in Minnesota and on this team is, and as a cornerstone to this franchise because of what they invested in him, that is coming out now on the floor. I, I thought that they needed Rudy to be comfortable on the floor for him to be a good teammate. They actually needed... Rudy to feel comfortable as a teammate to be really good on the floor and it's all paying off and there's again there's little things to, to nitpick about this team um but they're 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 doing things they're winning games and 
they're I, I don't know if you have the clip, but they're fighting off now this idea at fourteen and four and being first in the West and oh, yeah. being ten days in top of the charts for the first time. They're, they're fighting off this idea of like getting complacent. Mm-hmm. And I think that also ties into Rudy a little bit. That's probably more of a cultural thing all in the locker room. But I don't know if you have that clip that Carl had, but they're fighting complacency. And that's like the next level up in this video game that we're trying to pause. Yeah, here's Carl after the game. What can happen with teams that have a very winning record is complacency. You know, can set in over the course of a, a long season. Have you guys thought about that, talked about that? I mean, I know you, you've said many times, like, the business approach, yeah. day in, day out, but you're here now. Like, yeah. Have you talked about that? I, I think I think the perfect word for us when I come in the locker room and I see us, you know, before the game and shoot arounds, practice, is uh, we, we don't kind of play the record, we play today. You know, we know that, t- that today was a game day and we want to go win, so we don't play our record, you know, we don't. I, to be honest, I, I personally didn't know we were 14 and four. <laughs> so we just come in every day with that kind of mindset where every single day, this game day, it's about winning. Find a way to win, um, and you know we let the record just keep building as it builds, and, and we'll worry about it after 82 games and when our placement is given to us. So um, I think that's what's making us really, really good. Like I said, it's always our mindset. It's, it's we don't come in here feeling like we. Uh, should be given the win. We know what we feel every day. You know, for me personally, being in a locker room, that we have to go take the win. We got to go earn it. We got to go um, get it. So uh, it just has led to a great record, and um, we should be proud of what we've done so far. Uh, but we have to uh, stay greedy. Good Carl quote. I like that he drew. Whether you like him or not, like I like that he is echoing what other players have kind of said too. Like, we don't really know the record. And that's big too, right? Because all these stats that I'm tweeting out in these, you know, they're one win away from matching a season's worth of wins from a decade ago. These guys really have the mentality of just show up and that day is all that matters. And that's, I don't care what they, that's not how they thought last year. That's not how they approached the Pistons on New Year's Eve before their players only meeting. They, they were too worried about their own scar tissue and all the stuff that had happened and then whether their, their contract status or their role or whatever. Uh, and that is why I know this has been 50 minutes of just all positive and rainbows, but it's those things more than any stat that you tweet out or any defensive metric or whatever. It's just the personal side of it, the mentality, what they're talking about in the locker room when those doors are closed that makes me think this is actually sustainable. They have... It's not a swagger because I think Finch won't let them get too big of heads. And that's one of the things I love about Finch. But it's just uh, it. there's a difference between swagger and confidence. I think this team has the confidence now that they can beat anyone. I mean, their their list of losses right now, they got beat by the Kings flat out at home. That was sure. a, I would I'd make a case that was their worst loss because that was like a meaningful thing in season tournament. But the Raptors game was just like you said at the top of October. Bad matchup first game. Hawks thing. They should have just won that one. And then they didn't really try against the Suns. They basically enter every arena, whether it be Target Center or on the road, thinking we can win this game. And that's big in November and December. But that's like the mentality of a quote unquote contender when you get into April and May. Uh, And it's cool to hear them starting to say that more and feel confident saying it out loud rather than just keeping it in house. Kyle, let's, uh, let's grab another break and then come back. I do want to get into some of those numbers at the cool. uh, at the 20% mark of the season. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, back with Kyle Tagge. Uh Kyle, I, I just I just went through, looked at where some of the ranking, where they rank this season on my left column of my sheet of paper here and on my right <laughs> column I have where they ranked in in these things uh, last season. I just want to kind of rip through some of it obviously defensive rating um they're first in in defensive rating as as of december 1st and uh they were eighth last season in that which i think is an important thing to to remember in all of this and is for anybody who is maybe questioning the sustainability of this um i i would just that's a simple metric to be like this was not a bad this is a good defensive team actually a season ago eighth um which I think provides you some confidence that it's going to be top five, you know, bearing some sort of injury, maybe top three seems like a, I don't know. Actually, let's do this. If you had to set the line of where the Wolves finish in defensive rating, where would you say? Top. No, no, no. Like set a, set a number, like three and a half or two and a half. Or... I'll, I'll say three and a half. Yeah. Over under three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that aggressive to you? No, I, I mean I, on the spot. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's about it. Like if I had to, if I do like exactly guess it, um, maybe I'd guess second. Like I, I could see Boston passing them. Um, I, I just when I've watched them, I see very similar levels of just dominance uh, de- defensively. But yeah, it, it's I think I would take less than three and a half, meaning it'd be first, second, uh, or third. And uh, and again, to my point, a lot of that is based in the idea that they were eighth last season. And last season when they were eighth, there was, when we talk about, again, drink, meat on the bone, like they're fifth worst in defensive rebounding and fifth worst in foul rate. And, and they've only gotten a little bit better at defensive rebound. They're 26th last year. They're 22nd right now. Yeah. Um, so room, room to grow there, of course. But I, I hadn't noticed this yet. So again, fifth worst in free throw rate against last season. They're fifth best this year. They are defending defensively without fouling on a completely opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, which I guess you could go like, oh, maybe they'll like regress there some. Um, but it seems more of their identity this year to not be a heavy foul rate team on defense a lot of Jaden right um on, on the perimeter I guess he hasn't played that much this year maybe the more you play Jaden maybe the more the more you foul but that's as I'm growing in my appreciation for Rudy Gobert defensively 
I mean, to be able to defend the rim, multiple contests, pursue all that stuff without fouling, that's one of the most special elements of Rudy's defensive game. And I think when you're taking Carl out of like the center position defensively, you put him and Nas in fewer situations to foul at the rim, which was something both of them have have done a lot in their career. I think they're going to foul significantly less on defense this season, guarding fours and threes uh, out there on the floor. So I just see that to like, I see that to be like, yeah, like I, I, I don't believe, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I do believe when I look at these numbers defensively that it's hard for me to see them getting significantly worse. And if anything, I think they're going to start rebounding better over, over the course uh, of the season. I have some stuff on shot selection, but just, or, the shot selection against them. But first, just kind of your thoughts on that. Well, that's what makes it sustainable, right? It's just if they're playing defense, I guess the, 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 the devil's advocate is, can they play defense like this against bad teams? Because they played a lot of good teams. And when it gets January and February, can you keep that same level of defensive intensity? Uh, but I, other than them being the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> right, I have no reason to believe that they can't continue this because this looks like a team now that, I said that they come to work every day and they're professional and they're mature and they, they're where their feet are and they focus on that day. They look like they like playing defense. Rudy Gobert loves playing defense. But oh, yeah. I think like Ant loves playing defense. And Mike loves at 36 years old, 37 years old, getting around screens. And Nikki, like all these guys now enjoy playing defense. And to me, again, that's just when you've hit a real mark because I don't think – I mean – Liking playing defense is a real sicko behavior because that's not the fun stuff. That's not yeah. typically the things that get you paid the most. It's it's really winning basketball, but the NBA mm-hmm. still has so much non-winning basketball in it, right? Like the ways that the game is still played. So mm-hmm. I, if they can do it again, the only caveat would be is they've done it when they needed to against the best teams. Can they continue that level of intensity against the really bad teams, like even last night, this is such a nitpick, but like last night when they're up 11 or something, they just got so sloppy in that last yeah. minute. And again, that's garbage time. I get it. But those are the little things that's like that I'm sure Finch talked about today that we could tighten the screws on. It's like we got to play 48 minutes because that's how you let a team back in. But would have been nice to not be playing Mike Conley with two minutes left in that. Don't game. get me started. You know, but, like, like, but we, like, we, we got to need... get the young guys in there at some point, man. Like I know mm-hmm. that I'm nitpicking 57 minutes in, but yeah, they were, they're up 11. But you got to build the lead up or like not be looking like you're doing the deflating thing because it goes both ways. Remember the one of those Golden State games, though, like he brought the guys in and I'm sitting on media row and everyone's like, what the hell? Like, (laughs) put the starters back in or why did you put, you know, so it like whatever. They were. I mean, I will just say, man, they were up 101 to 85 with two minutes left in the game. Yeah. Okay. Like you you, could have you could have. We do need to see, like, as awesome as the Deshaun Nix thing was last night, this is nitpicking in an hour into this podcast. It was such an indictment on Wendell Moore Jr. that he was just one-upped by a guy who's essentially on a two-way or a ten. You know, like, that's we do the next evolution of all of this at some point. I don't want to talk about summer 2024. I don't want to talk about Blue Apron or the second apron or any of that stuff. But at some point, these younger guys are going to have to be mixed in a little bit, and it can't just be like, next November, right? Like, hey, hey, Josh Minot, now you need to be a role player in this team. Again, nitpicking. They won the game by double digits, but those Fish are the kind of little... cop to that after the game some too. He was oh, really? Like, okay. We need, it was just like, we needed to not be doing that. And he said something like, I don't think 
the guys on the floor thought the game was as much in the balance still as I did. Uh, you know, I think he said it with, and, with like and, a, a laugh. And in Finch's but. defense, I am pro Finch, but like when you're coming off of his, we all have scar tissue, we all have ghosts. You're the coach of the team that blew the most double digit yeah, leads last yeah. year. You're probably like, I would rather just get made fun of for a little bit online about not playing the lawnmower than losing the bleeping games. So I get it, but I just, those are the little ways. I know you want to talk about defense and you have some more numbers, but I, the one concern I have moving forward is there needs to be a little more trust with the fans, the team, the coaches, Tim, Con- everyone that we got to, I think, start to inject some of these guys a little bit more because I don't want Mike. I said Mike Conley should play 60 games and he's on pace to play all 82. Like mm-hmm. they do need to find moments now to give Rudy a little rest, to give Mike a little rest and just trust some of the younger guys can keep the boat afloat because I don't want to, this is a podcast for down the road. If you came into a playoff series, man, this is like the Kyle Anderson versus Mike Conley summer 24 discussion. If they enter any playoff game in April, May, or June without Mike Conley, hmm. I think they're doomed. <laughs> that's, that's dramatic, but like they need Mike to be at his full health for all of those playoff games, just as they do with Rudy and Carl yeah. and Ant. But do you think like I, they haven't rested Mike like just like a scheduled rest night since he's been here, right? He played every game once after the trade deadline last year, and he's played every game thus far this year, right? So, and you know we, I I don't like the load management, all that stuff, just as much as anyone else. But it is like kind of part of the game, and it kind of makes sense over the course of any two game season, particularly with like a a thirty six year old, but. There is like, I would think it's going to come around at some point in the middle of the season, a back-to-back here or there or whatever, that, you know, Mike does get a night off or Rudy gets a night off or maybe like Carl, even even when healthy, you know, just scheduled rest. And, and to that end, you don't want to just be waving the white flag in, in those games, you know, like you still want to be able to go out there and, and compete. So I'm, part of me is like kind of, curious to see those games because then you're gonna get this like the Dacia Knicks thing we got last night but maybe it's Leonard Miller or maybe it's Josh Minot or Garza or Wendell Moore or whoever whoever it might be um I, I say that to mean like I think it is even relevant for this season that yeah. that some of those deep iced guys right now um will probably play because it doesn't feel like or it certainly doesn't seem like Mitch is comfortable in any game just going eight like he wants to go I mean, if you call last night, Dacian played like a little over 10 minutes, like eight and a half. Um, I think that's kind of like his floor for how many guys are going to play. I know you're going to get J-Mac back and Ant and Jaden and, and all that, and maybe it's just those 11 guys and you don't need to have Minot or somebody be the, the plug-in guy there. But it, it, it's, a, it's a worthwhile thought in the context of the idea that this is an elite team in the league right now, and this is what elite teams historically do is not play their best players all 82 games. Complaining about your team and your coach not resting players is like, you know... Yeah, I don't think we're complaining no, about it. No, yeah, well, yeah. We are, no, I'm, it. no this was I am. I'm complaining. No, no, <laughs> yeah, okay, you're, okay, you're okay. smart. I'm dumb. But it's like living in the penthouse and being like, you know what? The temp of this caviar is not great. It's like, <laughs> I know that I used to live in, in the mud, but that was probably my biggest critique of like that Suns game randomly is that was 
maybe by the end of the season, that was like the premier game to just say, fuck it. <laughs> We're not going to play our yeah. guys. And- I, that's what I'm curious for is the next one of those. What does that look like? And I think it would be the right move to. And you don't have to. A guy. You don't have to punt per se. Like you can come mm-hmm. into and be like raw raw in the locker room josh minot like here's your chance you know you've wanted this opportunity go out there and try to shut down kd probably not going to happen but like sure you don't have to like you can't pimp out as i have done for 18 months this being the deepest team in the league or having the deepest team in franchise history and not trusting some of that depth in spots where you kind of do have the opportunity to not mail it in but and i know i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because i am very pro like hate i hate load management and that stuff but to your point this is all kind of stemming back to the wolves are now getting national attention that's because they're good and that's because Mm -hmm. they as weird as it sounds to put these two words in the same sentence timberwolves and contender they kind of are at least at this 20 percent mark of the season well i don't care what your philosophies are as a coach or a gm or a front office whatever contenders focus on april may and june (laughs) They're not focused on trying to get every ounce out of Rudy and Mike and Kyle in December and January. So, again, this is perfectly timed at the end of the episode, but it is something I'm watching for because if Mike gets hurt, right, all of a sudden, who is like if Mike stumbles or sprains an ankle for a week, who is it, man? Like, who is it? And without Mike, you, you need to start to champagne problems. You need to start to figure out, like, Plan the problem C before plan it exists. D. Yes, yeah. the problem before it exists. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just something to keep an eye on. And again, whether it be Leonard Miller, I mean, this team is also, this is just a complaint I had in the summer, but like, I was thinking of like Kyra Lewis, who never panned out, but like, I still think they're short a guard who is just a change of pace or a floor, little mini floor general, whatever. Kyra Lewis is a terrible example, but they are like one guard short. So as we start to flip the page, because we're going to do in-season tournament now for about a week and a half, and then it's going to be Christmas, and then it's going to be New Year's. And January 1st is going to be like, okay, trades. How do contenders get better? How do bad teams get worse? And this team still, in my opinion, has one glaring hole, even with Jordan McLaughlin back, even with Anthony Edwards back. And that's just another guard that can keep doing what Deshaun Nix did last night for like nine minutes. Keep them in their offense. Keep the guys in the right spots. And I'm with that. Um, I want to do the same thing with the off some of the offensive yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Sorry, as, I uh, no, 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 no. That's good. Um, you know what they they are in offense as of today? Uh, higher than I thought. Eleventh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So first on defense, eleventh on offense at the twenty percent mark of the season. Um, they were twenty third uh, on offense a season ago. Uh, it's interesting. Like their effective field goal percentage uh, was better last season, actually, than it has been thus far this year. They're still turning it over a bunch. Uh, They have sixth highest turnover rate this season, fifth highest a season ago. Um, They still don't get many offensive rebounds. They were fifth worst offensive rebound rate in the league last year. Uh, This year, they're 18th. So is that 13th worst, whatever. Um, The big difference on offense and is contributing to that is similar to the defensive side of the ball. It's free throw rate. They were 18th and getting to the line last year. They're fourth thus far uh, this season. And this is interesting, again, as I'm doing this exercise this morning, so many of these things that are better, as I look at these two columns of the, the sides of the paper, are the exact things that Finch said in training camp were the points of em- emphasis, right? Getting to the line more on offense, fouling less on defense, improving 
uh, offensive rebounding. I mean, transition defense, I don't, isn't on here, but that's one that like those things that they said were intentions they've delivered on uh, again, 18, 18 games into this season. The real interesting thing for me, um, given that it is the run it back tour and that the roster is, is so similar is how different uh, the offensive shot selection has been this year. They were fifth in frequency of shots at the rim last year. This year, they're 19th. Um, that is a huge shift. And the reason for that is, is they're shooting so many more mid-range shots. But in particular, like those short mid-range shots, I was called like floater range. Their shot mix has moved away from the rim a little bit more into the the Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley zone, you know. Um, so fourth highest in in mid-range frequency last year. They're 24th in mid-range frequency. And then shooting a year ago, their 14th average in frequency of threes. This year, they're 22nd, um, which would be another drink, meat on the bone area <laughs> there. Uh, that's got to go up, right? Mm -hmm. Like there, there's some repurposing to be done here. Can we get a little bit more at the rim? Can we get more ant at the rim? Like I, I, I thought the Sacramento game was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. I know they lost that game, but just the the downhill, the 16 or 18 free throws or whatever it was. Can we get a little bit more of that? And can we get some better spacing? Uh, can we get as Rudy said, get Carl to put his ass in the corner occasionally. Um, I, th I think the spacing stuff is much more so about Kyle Anderson not shooting them, Shake Milton not shoot, not showing the confidence to shoot them, and defenses are starting to pack it in a little bit more. Um, some more intention to the spacing to, to be, whether it's just shooting more threes or having the space to attack a little bit more. But uh, that's how, and credit to them, they're at 11th right now. But when we talk about contender, contender, right? Like you got to at least be top 10 in both. And the real, real ones are close to like top five uh, on both sides of the ball. And why I'm encouraged about this whole thing is I, we said with the deep ends, it's hard for me to see it dropping below fifth, right? Like I think they are going to be a quote unquote defensive contender. They have that box check bearing an injury. What can we do offensively? to let this keep progressing uh, over time. And I just, you know, you're looking at the numbers and it's not, it, it seems very doable, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and whether that's just rewiring some decision-making of the players that are out there, or to your point before adding a player at the deadline that helps you in improve one of these areas, or maybe helps you, in the times when you're really bad at offense, right? Right now they're really bad at offense when Anthony Edwards is, is mm -hmm. not on the floor. What does that look like? I don't even know. I mean, like you said, in January, we'll probably have a better idea of that. Look into more, some more of those things. It's going to be an interesting topic of, I think we know they're going to add something at the deadline. Yeah. What is it? You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to and, see that, but thank you for letting me rattle all that off. No, it just, what you just said there kind of reminds me too, of like the, uh, like the March madness blind resume talk every year where it's like they just post a team's resume up there without their logo and it's like who would you let in the tournament <laughs> if i just told you or i told brit or someone someone really smart that like hey there's this team in the west that's first overall in defense and 11th in offense but i can't tell you who it is you'd be like oh that team that team's probably going to make a run yeah, like that right. team's going to be really good and then it's like hey that team's the minnesota timberwolves and you're like oh shit okay maybe like that's the only thing that's holding you back is just the, the logo and the name on the front of the jersey so sure it is incredible, and it's also, too, this is kind of, I guess, how I would close. I don't know if you got anything else, but uh, one of the reasons I like this so much is that 
we keep referencing the run it back tour and, and ha ha he he Jake Scraps, is that they're just every time your favorite team sucks, it just kind of feels like, all right, we got to blow it up. We got to like try something else. Right. We just got to completely redo this. And the Wolves just really were like, no, I think we're just going to adjust our batting stance a little bit. Right. And, and kind of change how we how we swing at these pitches. And they brought them all back. And, yeah, they added a little Troy Brown Jr. and a little this. But they just brought back basically everyone. And I'm thinking about when you said Finch in, in training camp and what he wanted to emphasize. They just said, hey, we were really bad at this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And now let's just focus on that. And let's try to get better. And that's like, not to get all high and mighty, but like, that's like a good life perspective. Is like, hey, you're, you're, you're struggling in these couple areas. Let's just focus on them. And let's see if, if we get better at those. How will that swing the whole pendulum of this whole thing? And... All the things that they really struggled with last year, they've tried to address and fix. And there is, again, you know, meat on the bone. But that's cool, right? Because you you, you also fear, too, like you don't want to peak on December 1st. You yeah. want there to be things that Finch can For come sure. into the locker room, come into the film room the next morning and be like, what is this? Like, what? why are we Why are we throwing the ball over the place in the last two minutes of the game? Let's close it out. Falling let's get the down. In there. Yeah, let's <laughs> – I know you love that one. Speaking of trees falling down, like – no one falls down more than the Timberwolves right now. Uh, but it's just they're, they're, there's good things for this team to pin their hat on or whatever that thing is. But also areas. Definitely not that. Yeah, okay. Any There are areas that this team can get better. And that's, again, the full circle. You asked me about the vibes at the start. You're excited. You're kind of proud. You're relieved. You're happy that your favorite basketball team is really, really good. But there is... You know, we, we will unpause the video game on Saturday in Charlotte and try to go to the next level. And this team still has multiple levels. No one's hanging a banner because they're in first place on December 1st. Right. But doing so in a way that you're top of defense and 11th in offense, that's how you get to a real banner. Like one of those ones that actually are, you're proud of and not that we all made on you know Photoshop. So it's a cool moment. It's been a fun 20%. This next 20% I think is going to be really telling because there's some real bad teams in there, and there's also some good teams, and then you're going to wake up in, like, I don't know, middle of January or early February, and the trade deadline's coming, the All-Star Game's coming. You're really in the thick of things just in terms of the grind of the marathon, and if they're still running at the same, you know, five-and-a-half-minute pace, that's going to be pretty impressive. So, To, to wrap, um, I, I want to hit on this again and I know you will appreciate this, Kyle. Uh, we want everybody to be subscribing to the YouTube page. So many mm. more of you listen to this show, uh, whether it be in podcast or YouTube version, uh, than we have subscribers there. It's just a, I totally understand if, um, you know, the some of the advertisers don't fit you. Maybe you're not in the market. You don't live in Minneapolis. You can't go to Falling Knife to watch the game on Saturday. Like, I get it. Falling Knife gets it. Um, they're a really easy way to just help us out is is to subscribe there we're also like kind of bigger picture trying to build out some more of these other uh social channels over the next like year couple years or whatever and we do have um instagram little like reels those little TikTok type things on instagram and on TikTok, and that's dane more mba uh underscore podcast just doing that uh it one it makes us feel good that like we are taking the time to make these or to actually record these and put them on YouTube and that they're, they're being watched, but it's also just, uh, it's just helpful for the show. So youtube.com slash at Dane Moore MBA or on Instagram and TikTok 
at Dane Moore MBA underscore podcast. And speaking of rap, wrapping it up, uh, it will never not be cool. And this I'm coming as more of just a friend of you to see the Spotify raps. We're kind of in Spotify yeah, rap sure. season. And <laughs> to see all the people that are like, I'm in the 0.01% of people that listen to Dane Moore. It's like, A, you're a sicko, but B, congratulations and thank you. Because, again, the, we, we wake up in the morning, we do all this stuff, we prep. Some of us prep, some of us don't. And just it's cool that people are listening to this. And I've been on a soapbox for a couple of weeks of like, hey, be where your feet are, enjoy the moment. But it's cool, man. I know that I'm a little more online than you, but Wolf's Twitter is like a family reunion. Like every, people are popping out of the woodwork. Like everyone's having a really good time. I think people that have gone through struggles or bad points sometimes are the funniest because you learn to make fun of yourself. And Wolf's Twitter is hilarious. The stats coming out are great. The coverage by you and John and Britt and Jace and Chris is top notch. So it's a really cool time. Embrace it. Go to games. Watch games if Bally Sports lets you. And uh, just thanks for the support because it's never not cool to see people being like, I spend a lot of time listening to you guys. And it's like, wow, I get why you listen to Dane, but that's crazy. I have another question for you. How is your fantasy football team doing? Oh, buddy, I'm heating up right now. I am real good. Uh, I don't know why Jonathan Taylor needed to have thumb surgery, like just, I don't know, strap on a glove and put the ball in your other hand. But uh, we're doing really well. The vibes are good. The pools are good. Pretty good against the spread. But uh, I will say that I am close. I'm a couple weeks away from getting a prize picks tattoo. Let's just say that. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Today's show is brought to you uh, by prize picks. Uh, Kyle, we haven't done one of these uh, NFL Sunday prize pick slates here um in in a minute uh it is i am still loosely in my league but as joe burrow and ken walker and justin jefferson have all gotten hurt on my team things are things are not looking like i'm going to be making a triumph pick up Deshaun Nix. he'll <laughs> fix the problem nose tackle um uh but prize picks is is a way to on sundays if you're watching football anyways, to have, you know, kind of put together your own sort of fantasy team here, making some uh, specific picks on different players, more or less than uh, a yardage total or touchdown total or whatever it will be. When uh, when Kyle and I do these, we each pick uh, two of them and see if together the four of us or the, the four of our picks um, all, all hit. Do you have two that you feel good about this week? One I feel absolutely great about. I can't believe it's on the board. Once this comes out, go check right away. Christian McCaffrey over 0.5 touchdowns. I think it's okay. only on the board this week because maybe it won't be. But it's, I think it's only on the board this week because they're playing the Eagles, and that's like two sure. awesome teams. So you're like, there's a chance. But he's like minus 235 on DraftKings. Oh, yeah, there we go. Touchdown. Yeah. Rushing he scores TDs. a touchdown every game. Like that's <clears throat> this, what he this, does. I've looked at this category. This category normally only has Jalen Hurts in it. Right, so if you and, get a chance, yeah. go grab Christian McCaffrey again. He's worse, or he's you know minus two thirty five. Like he's going to score a touchdown, so that's like a free square in my mind. And okay. then um, Bijan Robinson over fifty eight and a half rushing yards. They're playing the Jets. I think they're going to be up for most yeah. of that game. Right. And uh, they've kind of un as as the Wolves have done with Rudy. They've kind of unlocked Bijan Robinson now. So uh, <laughs> I imagine he'll have even the Jets defense being pretty good. But I think in a game script, he'll get a couple long runs and probably, you know, 15, 16 carries. So Bijan Robinson over rushing yards and Christian McCaffrey to find the end zone. Love it. Um, 
The one I have is so, like I said, no, no Joe Burrow on my fantasy team. So I have been desperately trying to figure out quarterback. And one step I will not take is starting Sam Howell in in my fantasy league. And he is at 264 and a half passing yards this week, which I was looking at this and CJ Stroud. Oh, it was this went up. CJ Stroud went up, but it was like basically the same number as CJ Stroud and Patrick Mahomes. I know they're playing Miami and you're like, oh, game script. No, I have Terry McLaurin on my team and I hate watching the Redskins. And I'm saying Sam Howell has less than 264 and a half passing yards in this game. And then, you know, I like these little uh, combo ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it's just to, to score a touchdown. <laughs> and it's two players. And I'm just picking this because I think it's funny. Uh, Derek Henry and Alec Pierce to score more than one combined touch or score more than 0. 0.5 uh touchdowns this week boom there we go we got four those are all locks you asked me how my fancy teams are doing and i'm a big football guy and i'm i'm on it every day and i'm really into betting on stuff <laughs> i i was today years old when i heard who alec pierce was so thank you for that I yep, exactly well i was like i'm like well did derrick henry right there i don't know alec pierce yeah come on this little white also two prize picks prize picks is doing as a shill here, but they're doing really a lot of cool like daily stuff with like Taco Tuesday and all these little deals and promotions. Yeah. But also their NBA season is really heating up as sure. well. So if you don't if you don't watch football but you prefer basketball, like every night there's cool like last night Carl's over under on points was twenty seven. Cook that when he got to thirty. So uh if you're into prize picks, use the promo code. It's it's a really cool app. It's really easy to use. Really easy. And what to is the money. promo code, Kyle? Uh well it should be just Kyle, but I think it's Dane, right? Is it promo code Dane? <laughs> it's promo code Dane. Uh, D-A-N-E. But uh, no, it, it's cool, too. And like I know some people have asked me this on the side. Like It's really cool that, or easy to get your money in and get your money out. So if okay. you're kind of worried about some of that stuff or have had bad past situations, uh, shout out Prize Picks for the sponsor. Shout out Falling Knife and everyone else uh, and the people that support us and the listeners. Because without you, uh, I would just be on Zoom talking to Dane. <laughs> uh, he's Kyle Tyge. Uh Follow him on Twitter. He's, you know, if you kind of like check in the fourth quarter when the wolves are up by 15 there's going to be some sort of out of pocket kyle tyge tweet i notice it uh every I wait till time the game is done these... i've said this i wait till the final whistle if i said soft no it's just i want to enjoy no. the game how do i catch there was a moment last night man where the camera i don't know what play it was but i think it was 60 54 wolves so it must have been in the third quarter where the camera flashed to the baseline and there was a fan who stood up with the tallest beer I've ever seen in his left hand and a grande coffee in his right hand. Sick. And that, my friend, tells you what the vibes of the Minnesota Timberwolves are like. <laughs> beer and caffeine. Let's go. Uh, he is Kyle Tyge. Uh Follow him uh, again on Twitter or X at, at Kyle Tyge and... Uh, flagrant house uh, with Kyle and Phil. Phil was at the the game uh, last night. So you guys recorded yesterday. Yeah, yesterday we talked about getting hit by a car. Mike Conley being the best point guard in Timberwolves franchise history, and then we had a pretty long debate about Garfield. Uh, do you, Do you know what Garfield's favorite food was? Uh, is it like a can of something? It was. It was, it was either lasagna or spaghetti. I'm still. Oh no, I think it was lasagna. Yeah, I think I'm still lasagna. working to figure that one out. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, just try to switch up. You know, provide a little different type of coverage. But uh, it's been really fun, and it just again, the the people that support that show and support this show uh, really really appreciate it because we've been through the mud. 
uh, we no longer talk about Brandon Rush or what what major impact he has on the franchise, and now we're just focused on Dacian Nix. All right, good night. Uh, all right, um, game on Saturday. Chris and I will uh, record on. We're taking the weekend off, um, and we will record on uh, Monday morning. Until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you're dancing like nobody else around. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com